This is Aliens and Artists. The plus... Oh boy. Episode! Exclusive for patrons and plusers. I'm Stuart Davis. For now, that is. Not that I'll ever die. Oh no. I'm immortal. I'm just waiting for my fake passport to arrive, at which time I'll become Duart Savis. And then my new life begins as an ash artist, taking the ashes of the deceased and turning it into an elaborate work of art. On this episode, death. Deathful, deadly, lethal deathiness. And it's a solo show. It's just me. Who said that? The self is a polyphony of perspectives. Get it? <laughs> From whence come I? Don't ask me. The query sets one beside oneself. Later we assess your website and stare into the blank visage of amnesia. And we learn how to practice dying because this is a plus episode. Fuck it. I undress the mess I find scarier than death. It gets graphic. Autobiographic. But first, death and aliens. The intersection of near-death experience and contact with non-human entities is increasingly fertile ground. For instance, these are territories we've seen Whitley Strieber venture into after the passing of his wife, and even a cursory knowledge of human contact with non-human entities makes it plain that death comes up in the human-non-human dynamic. It has in my case, for instance. The mantis entity I've had contact with communicated to me that we'd known each other in previous incarnations, that I had even been a mantid being in a previous life, and that formed an essential part of the connection. I bet you say this to all Homo Homo sapiens. The mantid asked me if I would like to visit where we are originally from. I said yes. The mantid being raced me through some intradimensional folds to a place where a hundred or so spheres undulated over one another like an endlessly cascading waterfall of life forms. They were deep purple or indigo, iridescent, each one with a bioluminescent effulgence like a cross between a Tesla coil and a deep sea jellyfish that had swallowed an aurora borealis. I was utterly transfixed and I did not want to leave simply because the sight was one of the most inexpressibly beautiful things I've ever seen. I distinctly recall sensing these were not colors that we have on Earth, or at least that this slice of the spectrum is not one my human eye would register when open and functioning in the environment. Which makes sense as my eyes were closed, and the entire spectacle was displayed as an inner vision. My sense is that the infinitely undulating indigo spheres were how these mantids looked to one another, how they saw themselves. Like this was the countenance of a mantis soul outside of their insectoid form. For example, when a human soul separates from its physical form, its appearance becomes perhaps more pliable or fluid. Maybe we can appear as light orbs to one another. Maybe this is how the mantid beings experience themselves and each other in their purest form. This place was also in a different time stream than day-to-day -day life on Earth. Years later in a session with a medium, the medium reported that the mantis being was inviting me to join them after I die. 
there in that endless waterfall of purple spheres. Kind of a, hey, when you croak, you know you're welcome here, right? It'll be great. This was a medium I've only worked with once. I don't have particularly high confidence in. So honestly, I don't feel certain it was actually the mantid being I've had contact with. But beyond that, what I find more interesting over time is this idea that my soul, or any soul, I suppose, can go to the non-human part of the afterlife <laughs> if they make the right arrangements, or have the right etheric documents, I suppose. For the record, this is not my plan, as mesmerizing as the interdimensional mantid hovel was, I still intend to metaphysically migrate with my family. Maybe not on this planet next time around. I don't know. Let's see what's on offer when the menu of worlds is presented after we expire. I digress. Another interesting thing about the mantid afterlife I was shown is that I didn't get the sense that it was far from Earth, or even that it was not Earth-bound. Earth-adjacent, perhaps? It didn't seem to be another planet, but it wasn't conveniently propinquaint either. You wouldn't stumble upon it taking a wrong turn in the French Quarter. And they're all wrong turns in the French Quarter. This was an out-of-the-way, but still perhaps vaguely Earth-related cascade of sentient mantid spheres, I guess. As to the demarcation between a mantid being embodied in insectoid form versus a mantid being in the indigo spherical form, I didn't get the sense that division was starkly drawn or as sharply divided as, say, a human soul with or without a body. I'm not sure why. A crude guess might be that while humans experience a cycle of waking, dreaming, and deep dreamless sleep, in a normal 24-hour period, mantids may not. Maybe they have equal presence and continuous power across any of the states humans experience to be exclusive. I mean, what happens when a person is awake and dreaming at the same time? A lot, but you wouldn't want it driving your kids to school. So what would constant consciousness be like? What is a mind no longer compartmentalized by states? Anomalous, sure, but human? When I imagine such scenarios, I often end up at death. Because those states are braided into human biology, have to remove the body from the equation to play that transrational wild card here. Embodied consciousness is mediated by brain and operates on elimination. It filters out and stabilizes a boundary between me in here and universe out there. A false dichotomy that nonetheless allows us to fuck and frolic and enjoy the mirage of identity. Many esoteric traditions say that identity, that duality, boundary I'm in here, it's out there, gets wobbly once consciousness is untethered to biology. It seems evident that some intelligent non-human entities are gifted at harvesting that wobble. It is part of their native domain. Their lexicon includes all states, all realms, all stages. Ours lately is that unless it happens in waking awareness, it isn't real. Unless it can be replicated, is the universe real? Replicate the universe, asshole. Science 
is a product of subjective and intersubjective consciousness at a rational altitude. It deals with objective phenomena. The problem is there are no dead things. There are no dead objects without subjects. There are no outsides without insides. Dirt has an inner life. Just ask Gary Busey. Non-human entities know this, and they capitalize on it until the mutilated cows come home. How long are we going to punch ourselves in the dick with this dead, reductive materialism? But I die digress. As I'm writing this, I'm feeling reminded of something I feel they told me, which was, there is no such thing as two times. There is no such thing as two places. I feel this as an invitation to self. Self without qualities, within which all qualities bloom. Self that was never born, never dies, which ushers all birth and death. That ever-present void, gestating pure potentiality. Therein lies the primordial lineage of something from nothing. Which brings us to amnesia. Many of these non-human entities regard our persistent amnesia with pity or bewilderment. Maybe they think we aren't alive long enough to remember anything truly meaningful. That by the time our deep memory comes online, we are about to depart. We barely have time to remember why we came, much less the primordial lineage, the prime directive. And I do have to say, I think the life review when we die is kind of a dick move. Why are you giving me a karmic lesson you know is about to be expunged from my memory upon rebirth? I can't apply anything you show me in the life review. So what the fuck, angelic dude? Have fun hoarding the Akashic Records. Anyway, I die, die, digress. I did ask the guides about the amnesia thing with humans. Why do we have to forget everything? Who built Gobekli Tepe? How did they? Was Mars really nuked? Who created the first referent? Did Joni love Chachi? Why, oh why, must we live many lives and then forget them? And then we're told we have past life shit to sort out. I just... I can't recall who shook their fist at the sky and said what the guides said in response to my incredibly eloquent query was, and I very loosely paraphrase here, A. If you follow the cosmic breadcrumbs, you will find you are that self with no history from which all histories arise. So, cosmogenically, why are you forgetting yourself? You keep forgetting yourself. Stop forgetting yourself. <laughs> B. The amnesia makes it easier for the soul to change. It vitalizes our possibilities. It lifts the inertia of our deep past off the frame of our essential self. Amnesia makes humans nimble, allows us to respond quickly, which we don't. That's true. Without amnesia, we would each be like that Irenio Funes, that character from Jorge Luis Borges' short story, Funes the Memorius, the dude who remembered absolutely everything. If you think that sounds fun, read that short story. And lastly, C, 
Some of the amnesia is compassion. If you remembered all the shit that's gone down, you would become developmentally paralyzed. A little tabula rasa goes a long way. Like, what shit that's gone down? Nothing. <laughs> no shit's gone down. What did you mean when you said if I remembered all the shit that's gone down? This <laughs> is using an abstraction. It's fine. What shit? None. None shit's gone down. Hey, look, a puppy. But I die, 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 digress. Death and the alien. Maybe part of what fascinates so many non-human entities about Earth is that we have this technology which is death. Life here is miraculously capable of ceaseless surprise. Because mortality is ubiquitous, so is our potential. Every living thing on the planet is singularly unique. No duplication, inexhaustible originality. Death is so creative. And I think we should take the win on that. Would you rather be an immortal Ray Kurzweil? Or get reborn as a spinner dolphin? I think the answer is clear. Death is why and how so many awesome starseeds can even come to the carnival planet. It's zonkers here, but you can leave. And speaking of leaving, I want to leave you in this segment with two super unsatisfying ideas <laughs> that can provide a real lack of closure to... One is that perhaps as the universe expands into a homogenous steady state, there will be a corresponding dissolution between life and death. And no one will be alive. And no one will be dead. And everyone will just be trapped in a perpetual event horizon of infinite, amorphous, undefined, undifferentiated ambiguity. Forget I said that. Said what? Lastly, how many people have died in the history of the world? All of them! About 117 billion members of our species have been born and died, and the death rate today hovers around 100%. Not you, Steve. You're a god. How many of those 117 billion deaths are simply the same set of souls migrating through innumerable incarnations? How many star seeds? That 117 billion is not even counting the animals, of which there are dozens, or the insects easily in the hundreds. And what if there were life in the ocean? None of these questions can be answered, so please turn them over in your mind as you try to fall asleep tonight. <laughs> Tomorrow, remember how human consciousness is partitioned into three strata of reality, Realities? Reality? Then try remembering all the past lives you forgot. Then remember the civilizations you lived those past lives in, which also vanished beyond recall. And remember forgetting is the something that does the... the... So we... That's why. Hi, Minus listeners. To hear this episode in its entirety, which includes all the answers on death, 
mentions you by name, how you will die, what your life review will consist of. Do you even have a soul? Will it go to heaven or hell? Or a bardo? Which bardo? What's a bardo? How does one navigate a bardo? Just become a patron. It's expensive. It's not worth it. Why pay for content? Who needs culture? <laughs> Artists are navel gazers. Aliens are fake news. Money is a construct. Stuart Davis is a dominator hierarchy full of malarkey. Snide and snarky is the French monarchy. So why would I give him money when we know he'll blow it all on vintage jarts? Okay. I didn't want to do this, but... If you become a patron... <laughs> I'll check out your website. We're totally happy to have discovered your website. It's really what I have been dreaming for. The detailed information on the webpage is truly needed and is going to assist my family and friends twice a week or more. It looks like the site has a lot of details concerning the stuff I am interested in and the other hyperlinks and information really show it. I'm usually not on the internet all of the time, However, when I have some time, I am always searching for this sort of knowledge or stuff similarly concerning it. I have a few of my friends that have acquired a liking in this because of all that I have discovered about it. And they are more than likely to visit the website because it is such an incredible find. I am also fascinated in politics and how to deal with the drastic turns and twists in government. When anyone gets a chance, check out at my website, Bainbridge Island Headshot Photographer. Thank you. Confession, I've done some experimenting with drugs and alcohol. <laughs> Between the ages of 11 and, what time is it? <laughs> I did some drinking and some drugs, and sometimes the libations and chemicals were augmented with narcotics, which I washed down with hooch. <laughs> they say LSD expands consciousness. I wouldn't know, but bourbon collapses it. <laughs> hey, I'm no chemist. I proved that the night I synthesized Jim Beam, Quaaludes, and marijuana in the laboratory of my tummy. <laughs> Shortly after I downed that trifecta of fuck-me-ups, reality <laughs> took a nosedive. My skull became a diaper, and the universe was a baby with explosive diarrhea. <laughs> and it shit demons into my mind. Hey, sweet soul. Hey, friend. Come on, what'd I just say about becoming a patron? You're better than this. Just click the link in the show notes and let me toss some truffles on your tagliatella al tartufo. Not the fun Ozzy Osbourne kind, not the sexy Elvira mistress of the dark kind, no, the Hieronymus Bosch kind. <laughs> Suddenly, the reality of things I took for granted, things like, that's a wall, I'm a person, that reality <laughs> be began to melt like candles.